Welcome to the Atheist Podcast. I'm Aaron, And I'm Kelly. Atheist is where we will explore American cultural trends through the lenses of a devout theist and a devout atheist. We will discuss the messiness of being human, the latest in social science, psychology, and American culture, and what any of it has to do with Homo sapiens' longtime preoccupation with religion. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Kelly. How you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Keeping warm. Yeah. Good. It's trying uh, to. Yeah, it's chilly. It is. Um, we were just uh, talking about my kids. They've been. They were. They're gonna flush some ice cubes down the toilet later because they're hoping for a snow day. Oh, is that like an old wives' tale? Uh, I don't know or if it's an, old. An new wives. New tale? wives' tale. I think. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> it's very witchy. Yeah. <laughs> I know we got the toddler into it and she's like, wait, we're doing what? <laughs> she's like, ice cake. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's good. Okay. So we are starting a new theme. Yes. And the theme is about how change happens. Yes. How change happens and what distracts us from making change. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have a lot. I have, I have a lot of thoughts about this because I think that our ability to make change is varies based on kind of like the level at which we're operating right so you know you think about like the kind of that macro level mm-hmm. so at a at a government level where mm-hmm. we have such a small ability to sort of you know create change on that level on that the level of the community that we're in um, which is where I think we have a little bit more agency. And then obviously on the individual level where we have some agency and, and both of those, I think our, our agency is somewhat limited. Like there are certain things that, um, you know, in the concept of free will that mm-hmm. we have more control over than, than others. But, um, certainly in those arenas, we have the ability to, to put things in place that can, can create change. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. And yeah, the closer we are to ourselves, the more agency we have. Yeah. And yet it feels like right now in our polarized world that people are much more focused on the macro where they have the least amount of agency. Yeah. I mean, so to your point about what distracts us, right. And that is a huge part of what distracts us. I mean, we, I said this a lot, right? Is this this environment of too much information that we live in, mm-hmm. and so much of the that too much information is information that we don't have any yep. ability to have any control or or influence over. Which that I, I'm a big fan of uh, stoicism, yeah, and the the fundamental tenet of that philosophy is knowing the difference between what you can change and what you can not, which mm-hmm. is the ser- serenity prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the thing about that, which is also really important to know, which is kind of that next step is that by when you spend time, a lot of time focusing on things that you cannot change, that means that that's, you know, you're not investing in the things that you actually can. Yeah. And um, these, these, big scale distractions are great examples of of that and we all fall into those traps we all do yeah on yeah on both sides of the political spectrum right yeah uh for sure yeah and i i love i love that and i feel like that's you know we've hit on that before 
also is kind of a kind of a spiritual tenant of you know like we only have we only have so much space in our lives and yeah. and sometimes you have to kind of give something up to to move into another space that's more um where you can do more good yeah, or more generative yeah. yeah that's more yeah. generative and and yeah if we are just keep ourselves in this space where we're just kind of spinning which is i feel yeah. like yeah. such the, the energy the doom right the doom scroll doom right? scroll the um the just yeah like uh what is it what is it called when we're kind of in our own little bubbles in those social media worlds bubble i guess social media bubble yeah um Echo chamber, right. Uh, yeah, but that's the thing, right? Yeah, Doom yeah. scrolling, yeah. echo, these yeah. things that are just kind of, that keep coming back, but mm -hmm. that don't actually move us forward. Yeah, they keep us stuck. They keep if, us stuck. If, because it just is reinforcing ideas that we already know. Yep. And therefore limits our ability to think about like other possibilities. Yeah. Um, it, that's one of the things that I find so frustrating about the design of our information ecosystem is that, that so, so I was telling you, uh, I want to take a step back. So this, this idea of too much information, when we think about like what are solutions, right? So mm -hmm. this idea is um, not new, right? Mm -hmm. we've, we've gone through different periods. Humanity has gone through different periods where all of a sudden there was an explosion right. in information. You, you the know, printing press. It's a, yes. So after the printing press, people went crazy yeah um and, and to a certain degree right all of a sudden you had this like explosion of ideas mm -hmm. uh there was tons of fighting there was a lot of like burning people at the stake uh sort uh, of behavior guess, yeah and one of the things that that grew out of that was hey i think we need to establish a like a universal schooling structure mm -hmm. so that that we have we get we can give people tools to process this volume of information. Yep. And we're in that we're kind of in that same moment. I think we're in this like yeah. we're in that you know dawn of the internet and now with artificial intelligence like the um, amount of information that is available and mm -hmm. is produced and knowing what's real and what's not it's like it's too much for people yep. to deal with yep. and we are we are in this space that we require as a society better tools for kind of negotiating this volume of information yeah yeah and at the same time too i feel like even the kinds of information we're getting like we are not created to hold all of this like no this weighty <laughs> like painful information that's on this you know global this all this global information I, I i just don't think we can like how do you how do you go through your day understanding what's going on in ukraine what's going on in israel and gaza and just not feel like an asshole just going out for coffee with your friend and talking about lipstick. Like you just like, right. I mean, not that I go out for coffee and talk about lipstick, but, <laughs> but I mean, so I, I was in a PD the other day and I was, there was a, a session taught by a woman who is a, an Israeli professor at an American university. And the subject was what it's like to be an Israeli professor at an American university right now. And I won't go into the things that she said, but you know, it was it was disturbing the things that she has had to 
experience in light of like what's going on in her country right now. And, but the thing that I took away from it actually was that, um, Americans, you know, we, we feel like if we're not saying something that we're not doing anything, you know, (laughs) and yet for her, what was so painful was, was the fact that people were saying things without having any, any, you know, like you don't have a dog in this fight. You, this is not your, or they have like this much information and And you only have this much information. You're not connected in any kind of real emotional. I mean, like, of course some people are right. If you were Jewish in America and you know, you have ties to Israel, of course, like, yes, you, but a lot of people don't, or, you know, or if you have no ties to Palestine and you're so, um, you know, there's so many times where I feel like on public, um, on social media where people are like, you know, if you are silent, then you are complicit. And this was such a, a real example of, no, there is actually compassion, yeah. a compassionate silence that we can just be silent and yeah. listen and learn and hear from people and just be near people in their suffering and in their pain and just yeah. listen. Yeah. And that is the compassionate stance because I don't have all the information, right? Right. I don't know. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so this idea that that people feel like action is, is just simply <clears throat> making a post or having a stance, having a political stance makes you active. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I just don't think that's true. Yeah, I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. I think it's very difficult for anybody to have all of the context, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it is, it should just be a, we, we would be better served to, to listen and learn rather mm-hmm. than constantly feeling like we need to take a position mm-hmm. on, on something and, and to be open. Actually, this is kind of cute. Like, so my, uh, my oldest son, he is in his first year at middle school and he got an, an award from his teachers, which was, is very cute. Yeah. And on the, um, the little printout, it was like that, you know, t- something to the effect of like that he's always sharing his ideas, but then like the s- second or third line was like, he's also, willing to always willing to listen to other people's ideas and revise mm. his opinion based on a strong counter argument. That's awesome. Based on fact. And yeah. you're like, well, what a wonderful concept. Yes. Right. <laughs> right. That I, I could know. actually be agile in my uh-huh. thinking. Yeah. 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 And not be like so grounded in a position that oh, getting new information or, or information that contradicts like your, you know, perceived pa- like the path you want to be on is like, you know, allows you to say, Oh, well maybe I can like, take a different direction um, or soften, soften my perspective because I, you know, clearly I didn't, I didn't know everything or the information I thought I had wasn't correct. Yeah. Or just to say, I don't know. And yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, oh, in light of this information, I obviously maybe, yeah, like I like, I love the word soften, right? I'm softening my opinion here. And I'm not sure if I have an opinion. Yeah, and then maybe it's, hey, you know what? Actually, now I'm I'm actually open to persuasion. Like yeah. I'm open to the possibility that maybe I I was I was wrong. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. I think it's I think that's a powerful. I think that's so powerful. And the other thing is um, when, but that you that's you that requires 
like a soft, like and not go using the word softening again, but um, of the ego because oh, it, yeah. it means like the, to to mm-hmm. be able to be open and receptive to information that challenges your perspective means that like you have to be okay with not knowing everything, being mm-hmm. right. Um, and, and, you know, so that, that's a, that's, it's a challenge. Mm-hmm. It's a challenge to be able to kind of like take that, that Which stance. Is, it's so interesting, right? Because it, you would think that being really firm in your beliefs and your stances would make you, would kind of protect you against say conspiracy theories or protect mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. against, um, you know, uh, um, alternate like views that are perhaps wrong but are but are being like you know kind of put on you from you know other yeah but the opposite is true the opposite is true and and um i think i've mentioned this before but like yeah i know i have we've talked about this before but there there was this series and i'll mention it again but it was a netflix series and um Oh my gosh, I'm trying to remember what the it's like a, a spoof of like a historical oh, yeah. like thing, right? So she uh-huh. she's like a faux historian uh-huh. and she's interviewing all these real professors and she throws out these crazy theories and anecdotes um and the these real professors they most of them were are like, "Well, I'm not aware of that information." Like it's clearly wrong. <laughs> oh yeah. But but they will not cuz they're like I- I'm actually not trained to speak on that. Right. Yeah. Like they will not talk about like, and I loved that. Cause I'm like, when somebody really, really is an expert, mm-hmm. they're reluctant to like sit, to talk about things that they're like, this is actually out of my depth and they'll just say it. Yeah. Like this is not something that, or that is information that I'm not aware of. Yeah. Um, but I love that. It's like, and that's when you can tell the difference between somebody who's just like, I'm, I'm here to just talk about whatever and, yeah. um, like a true expert on a topic. Yeah. That, yeah, that, that there is. Yeah, that there's a, a willingness and an egolessness in yeah, in just saying I don't know. Yeah. Even if you well, they know the always, person is always, saying yeah. One they're like, well, I you know, you always want that possibility for like, well, I don't know, maybe this is information I'm not aware of. I haven't studied yeah. it. So what you know, I, I can't give you a I need to Amazing. I need to go back and do some research before I can respond. Before you know? I can respond to that. Yeah. Right. But if you are so certain. Yeah. And that, you know, and I think I've said this before, this is that, I think this is that, I think I said this on our first podcast, this is um, Anne Lamott, you know, the opposite of, um, the opposite of faith is not doubt, it's certainty. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 So if you are so certain, yeah. then you just leave no room for, you know, there's no, um, you can't have any faith because you're just, I'm right in my right. Yeah. beliefs. Um and I think people, you know, people who are smarter, richer, and more, and maybe, I won't say meaner, but but, but in, in some ways crueler yeah. than the average Joe is out there understanding what, how people respond to these kinds of um, arguments um, and are throwing things out there for people to just hold, you know, catch hold of and, um, and to get upset about. Yeah. Because, you know, we're so, we're so driven by emotion as much as we want to be, believe that we can behave logically in, in the way that mm-hmm. these prof- professors are right. Because they're trained in using 
the the newest part of their brain, that neocortex mm-hmm. that's like gives them such strong rational thinking skills. Um, but 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 that is so easily overridden by the older parts of our brain that are driven by emotion yep. and are the things that create action. Yep. Um, which then kind of goes to, um, you know, what I, what I was talking about at the top, which is like, okay, how, how and on what levels can we create yep. change? And, you know, I think when you really start to dig into this, the concept of free will, do we have it? How much mm-hmm. do we have? When you really start to like pick it apart, you start to realize, man, I am not as in control of my decisions and actions as I would like, right? Mm-hmm. Like we, um, there, there's research that shows that before, like that they, you know, hook people up and, and, um, to be like, okay, you're going to press a button. Mm-hmm. And what they'll find is that like, you you feel like you're consciously pressing the button, right? Mm-hmm. But that but the decision has already been made in your brain before you're aware mm-hmm. that you're physically doing something, right. right? So so much of our just like immediate responses are things that are just automatic, yep. um, and so our ability to to create change for ourselves because human beings are are pattern seeking animals, right? Mm-hmm. And so we like we spend all this time kind of get, scanning the environment, for, looking for patterns to try to anticipate what's going to happen next or what we should do next. And right. once we establish those patterns of behavior, um, we, we just kind of get stuck in them. Yep. So uh, this book I just started, uh, I'm not done with it yet, but it's it's been out for a little while. It's pretty popular. It's called Atomic Habits. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, and he gives this great anecdote about how strong – our associate associations are mm-hmm. um, in, in sort of the habits that we have. And he gives tells a story about this woman who many, many years ago was really into horseback riding. And her and her friends would go horseback riding and they would smoke cigarettes while they were horseback riding. And that sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I would do that. <laughs> and so eventually I don't know what happened to the horseback riding, but like she decides she, you know, wants to stop smoking. Mm-hmm. So she stopped smoking, hasn't been horseback riding in a really long time, like decades and decades and yep. decades. And then decides late in life, like, you know, Later in life, I, I, I want to get back into that horseback riding. I want to get back on a horse. The very first time she's like on the horse, she's like, God, I want a cigarette. Yeah. And hasn't smoked in a really long time. But that, is, that association, association. That is there. And it's, and he's like, those those associations are are so strong and they're so hard to, to break. Yeah. Um, and there's ways you can do it. There's ways that you can sort of structure your environment. So, for example, like, and this is like we are talking about too much information in yeah. social media, are visual like of all of our senses um the visual processing is the is it occupies the most space Hmm. like so for us if we want to eat better for example Mm -hmm. like not having a bowl of cookies on the counter like if there's cookies on the counter we'll eat them whether or not we want them or not not. we're like oh that seems like a good idea right now right look great but if there's apples Mm -hmm. we'll we'll we're more likely to eat apples just because they're there yeah um and that of the, I guess it's like 11 million sensory inputs in the body, 10 million are devoted to just like visual processing yeah, and, that and makes insight. total sense. So like one of the easiest ways is just to literally change like the structure of your mm-hmm. visual environment to cue. And so what, another example he gave was, um, it was like hospital and they were trying to get people to drink less soda. Mm-hmm. And so at the checkout, they put a refrigerator that had water in it. 
and all they didn't tell anybody to do anything different. Right. They're just like, still go to the cafeteria, buy whatever you want to buy. No one was instructed to do anything. And like soda sales drop are 20%. Wow. Because, because it wasn't it's in right, the Yeah. It's like visual they bought island. water instead because it was right there. Wow. <laughs> it's crazy. But it, 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 it also reminds us of how little like we actually are making yeah. these decisions for yeah. ourselves in a way. Like we're just kind of grooving through our environment yeah. and, and picking up on cues and then having this response without really well, thinking. Well, that's funny because I remember I told you like in this apartment we live in now versus the house we lived in before, mm-hmm. the house, like the kitchen was attacked. Like the kitchen was kind of open. Yeah. And now like the kitchen is kind of off to the side. Like you have to actually go into the kitchen. And I'm like, yeah, I actually snack less and eat less because I ha- have to be- go. It's further it's not, away. <laughs> it's, I don't see it. I don't sit in the living room and see the... Yeah. Yeah. The kitchen. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's, it's so true. Yeah. That's so, really so the, the, his point, and I think this is right, is like if we want to sort of pre-program our minds to make a better decision, like the for future version of yourself, you yeah. want to make a better decision, yeah. you have to kind of start structuring your environments in a way that you cultivate habits mm-hmm. so that you've, you're training your brain to like have a different association. Yep. Um, and then you, I start to think about like, okay, then how do you apply? Like, I mean, the, the hospital example is a good one, right? Like, yeah. okay, then how do you imply, apply these these sorts of methods in a manner that is 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 a little bit bigger, yeah. right? That's influencing community, more, yeah, more people. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, for you, you know, like in a classroom or in the theater, like how right. you structure things right. matters so much. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really interesting. I love. I love that idea that that by creating yeah by creating that environment and 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 we have right we have ultimate control how we create our own like home yep. environment yep. um we have some influence on our you know the spaces that we inhabit yeah. for work and community yeah. um and then we have very little yeah you know basically we have a we have a vote. Yeah. So that kind of change requires, like on that level, it requires co- like collective action, which yes. is where you get yeah. unions and, you yeah. know, those sorts of movements that are, that are bigger to right. drive policy. Yeah. Cause that's, you, and on that level, you know, and you think about there's, there's a book and that, gosh, it's been a long time since I read it. It was called, um, nudge by Cass Sunstein. Mm-hmm. And he was an advisor to, um, I know Obama, maybe other presidents. He's a mm-hmm. professor. But anyway, his the, the concept of nudge, right, is like how do we create government policy that moves people just, you know, gently in mm-hmm. the direction we want them to go? Right. So whether that's, um, you know, like public health or, you know, hey, we want people to – say for their retirement and pensions are going away. And so we better develop some tools that encourage people to save money. So let's develop a, a, the 401k or mm-hmm. I, he wasn't advising on that, but like th- these are kind of the examples right. of these, these things that the government could put in place that, that encourage people to do the things you want them to do right. that are good for society as a right. whole. Or even like corporations, right? Yeah. Like Biden's policy on, on, you know, uh, um, climate change and yeah and um yeah making it easier for people to like charge your electric car well mm-hmm. i might be more likely to buy one if it's if i right. know it's easy for me to charge right and like if it's not then i'm not gonna do that right right so i read an article today in the new york times on um it, it, 
encourage everybody to go back and read it when you hear this. But it's uh, entitled, America is Under Attack, Inside the Anti-DEI Campaign. And it's um, it, it speaks about this organization, um, I think it's called the, the Claremont Group, something like that. Um, but it's this group of, you know, uh, lobbyists and policymakers that are trying to, basically, they're trying, I mean, it, they're attacking DEI, but it's it's not really DEI. They're, they're just trying to use things that they think will scare people yeah. in order to, to motivate outcome outcome right? yes and so there's a whole conversation in the, in the article because they the times got a hold of like 5000 emails or something in this organization and they have a whole conversation about um, language and like what you're talking about in terms of association and like how do we take this word and 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 make it negative for the common public yeah yeah so, oh, i see so you have this movement of DEI, you know, that comes out, and then mm -hmm. the the goal, like if their goal is to to have ne negative associations with it, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, because most people, they they did a poll. Most people look at diversity as a good thing. Look at equity as a good thing, right? Look at inclusion as a good thing. Right. So, right. how do they, you know? So, wokeism is like, you know, it's just this really patronizing way of kind of, you know demonizing this this um yeah the, movement. the the idea of woke which is like to be awake right, right. yeah 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 um but but th what they landed on the word um because they were like it's really hard for us to make equity a, a bad word mm -hmm. but the word that they feel like or the phrase that they felt like they could really vilify was um social justice oh, which i was like seriously that's that's what you landed on. Like you can make social, so like the whole thing, like social justice warrior. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. again, just like so patronizing. And well, I think in in you know maybe trying to take things that are are well intentioned, right, right. It, you know, and maybe they don't always work out the way that you hope they do, right. And in terms of like censorship of speech, and there, there's mm -hmm. a lot of research around that, but the but to then take those things that are 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 well intentioned, maybe always aren't executed the way that you hope that they would be, but then connecting them to the like the most um, horrible examples of those things kind of gone awry, right? Because right. um, there's there are a lot, and, sure. And uh, but yeah, I think that's. I mean, yeah, it's an unfortunate political strategy that. Well, and like what we're talking about, right? Like. If you if you if you're trying to pull your influence into a, a into a place that actually has legs, mm -hmm. right? What you're going to do is you're going to try to do you're going to try to um, create social justice opportunities in your community. You're going to try to create um, equity in your community, right? And so to kind of take that language and um, tinge it with this kind of yeah, wokeism. I think I think it's like it's gotten so confused. I think in in so many ways, mm -hmm. like it's like almost like that that 
the term or like the idea of like DEI or whatever is, is trying, like people are just applying it to so many different things. And, and so like when I, when I hear you talking, it's like, you're, you're talking about how do we make community like, like that, that when there are people who really need help in a community, how do we provide that? Um, so that they can make, good use of their lives and live with, yeah. you know, um, how do we leverage our, what we have for, for our community right, so that right, we can all, right. yeah. Which is, which is different than like, I think sometimes the, the more negative aspects of where that has gone, which is like, you've now said something that makes me uncomfortable. Therefore you should be like voted off the Island sort of thing. Right. Stuff. And see that to me yeah. is that's not action. That's again, getting back to this idea of yeah. like beliefs and yeah. like policing yeah. people's beliefs and language. Yeah. Right. And that's not it. But if you're saying like, it makes me uncomfortable that you want to work at a soup kitchen. Who's ever said that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> who's ever said your, your volunteerism yep. Yep. is really offensive to me. Right. 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 Whereas like, yeah, you're, you know, these kind of inflammatory things that you say on social media, you know, blah, 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 that might be offensive to me. Okay, yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. But that's also, those are words, right? Yeah, yeah. Whereas like when I think about social justice, I think about marching. I think about showing up and helping. I think about creating space for people that don't have opportunities. Yeah. Um, and that's justice. That's, you know, restorative practices um policing beliefs and language and that's where i feel like you know when i've read articles about that are critical of dei that i am kind of more on you know aligned with it's again about it's about the things like you know professors being forced to write it's in the academia yeah being forced to say like i you know follow this 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 and even if they do just the idea of being forced to say something on paper in order to assure your position feels yeah or 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 that like yeah you can't publish yeah (laughs) certain research or you might get a lose your job because you showed a painting that some people found offensive even though you gave them fair warning and yes all those all those, those things examples yes yeah well that that's i like that distinguishing um of those things it just goes back then to the power of i mean it, the power of language is so powerful yeah and and it's and, and somebody is deciding how you associate a word yeah yeah you know and those people that are kind of deciding that like you know, peop- we're really good in America at, at advertising, mm-hmm. and the people that are not <laughs> that are not selling you cookies are yeah. advertising ways that they want you to think. Yeah, they sure are. Uh, well, I guess in the uh, affirmative version, right? Yeah. And then the positive version of that. So, kind of, where do we want to take this series yes. next? Is um, we are thinking, or so our our next guest is going to be. Uh, an organization based here in St. Louis, when we think about how do we create meaningful change or give back to our com- our community that's here in St. Louis, mm-hmm. where we can affect positive change, um, we're going to talk to the folks over at Bridge of Hope. Yeah, we're going to talk to our friend Deb Weens, who's the president of the board there, and the executive director there, Kelly Braggs. And they are going to tell us about their organization and kind of how that organization has changed and how um 
yeah, people, you know, regular, just, you know, community people are kind of helping in ways that, you know, they need help too. Yeah. So yeah. for our local audience, you know, that if you, yeah, if you want to get involved in something that, you know, very tangibly can make a difference in people's lives in a really meaningful, mm-hmm. direct way, yeah. um, that this maybe is an organization that you might want to contribute to or, or get involved with. Yeah. And you can be, this is, this is the amazing thing with actually action, right? You can believe whatever you want in terms of, you know, you can be coming from the right or be coming from the left, but you know, if, as long as you think that, you know, people, there's a basic human dignity that people need to be taken care of in an hour of need. Um, yeah, you can show up and be of service. All right. Well, please join us next time when we uh, have Deb Weens and Kelly Braggs from Bridge of Hope. Yeah. All right. Have a good one, Kelly. You too. are always appreciative of our listeners. Thank you so much for listening. We do have a favor to ask, though. If you're liking Atheist, and clearly you are, please share it with a few friends. We're looking to grow a lot in 2024. More topics, more interviews, more episodes in general. We need your help to make that happen. We are not asking you to contribute any money. Just a few minutes of your time to share this episode maybe on a social media post, or better yet, while you're visiting with a friend. Every new listener really helps us out. If you have any topic suggestions, questions, or thoughts on the show, feel free to write us at atheist at stlpodcast.com. Atheist is produced by Justin Sywell and Trend Media STL. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at stlpodcasts. Thank you for listening, and keep looking for connection.